Open your Bible to Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter number 11. I'm going to read several scriptures this morning. I want to get right into the Word. So the scripture says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, when they came near to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent for two of his disciples. Somebody say, Send me. And saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, the one in front of you. And as soon as you enter in, you shall find a colt tied wherein never a man set. Loose him and bring him in. Verse number 3. And if any man say unto you, why, do you why, why are you doing this? Why do ye this? Say that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met. In a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And certain of them stood there, said unto him, What are you doing, loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded. Meaning said, The master, the Lord needs him. And they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, cast their garments on him, and said unto him, and sat, cast their garments on the colt. And Jesus sat upon the colt. He sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees and strode them in the way. And they went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed be the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus sent two of his disciples to go and find a colt that they didn't know where he was. They didn't know the guy that owned him. They didn't know anything about it. All they knew is that they were being sent and they were being obedient in obeying God. Well, here's the scenario. A disciple of Jesus has really only a simple job description. However, it's overwhelmingly inclusive. Your job description as a disciple of Jesus is do what he says. The interesting thing about doing what Jesus says is it might mean all kind of different things. It might mean stuffing Easter eggs for little kids. It might mean cooking barbecue. It might mean going and fishing on the other side of the boat even though you fished all night long on the other side. It might mean crowd control. It might mean helping in an area like that. Obeying Jesus and being a disciple is a lot more involved than you would think. But the whole idea of it is wrapped around just being obedient. The disciples very easily could have said, Now wait a minute, Jesus. We have received revelation. We have seen miracles. I'm not the kind of person that just goes and gets livestock that I've never met the person who owns it. But the difference between a disciple and somebody who's playing Christianity is a disciple is obedient regardless of what the command is. You see, when you live for God, you never know what He's going to call you to do. You have an idea. You have a perception of what He'll probably call you to do. But the 12 disciples were called from all sorts of different walks of life. And maybe a fisherman was good with uh, uh, colts. Maybe he wasn't good with colts. Maybe a, a tax collector was good with colts, young horses. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But the bottom line is time and time again, God is going to call you to do something that you were not anticipating. And it's not your responsibility to lie in question of what He said to do. It's your responsibility to be in obedience thereof. You see, so many times we, we get together and we slap each other on the back and we talk about how blessed we are and we talk about how good God is and all those things are wonderful. But listen to me, the only way that you can prove to Him that you love Him is to follow what He said. 
A disciple doesn't do what a disciple wants to do. A disciple does what the one they're following wants him to do. The disciples were exceptionally good at this. Peter marked himself as being such because the very first time that he met Jesus, he had fished all night, didn't catch a single thing. And all of a sudden, a preacher walks up and says, Hey, fisherman, why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? And instead of being haughty and stuck up and saying, I'm the best preacher that ever was, I'm the best fisherman that ever was, I'm the best this, I'm the best that, I know there's no fish. He said, At your word, Rabbi, I'll do it. If you can get an at-your-word anointing on your life, there is no limit to where your family will go. If you can teach your children this, listen, don't let your children see you say that you live for God and never respond to His commands. Children can sniff out fake better than we can sniff out fake. Children can sniff out the unsure. Grandchildren can sniff it out really good. If you have to die in a ditch on your way to heaven, make sure you're going after God in front of those offspring that you're responsible for. Don't ever let the idea of Christianity pervert your mind to where you've lost simple obedience to who God is. Don't ever let your mind be perverted by the idea of Christianity to the point that obedience is not the standard in your life. Does that make sense? As we go through this life, so many times you're going to have the opportunity to obey God. Most of the time, you will not understand it all, if not all the time. The Scripture says that we see through a glass darkly, which means we don't see the end from the beginning, but the Bible says He does. The Bible says His plans for us are good and not evil, and it's our responsibility not to establish and build our own plans, but to do our best establishing His kingdom and fulfilling His plans on purpose. And the Scripture says, if we'll do this, if we'll seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, all these things will be added unto us. We go through life every day in every way and we're trying to figure out how can I do this and how can I do that when the reality is if you'll focus on Him and what He's called you to do, even if it's as simple as going and picking up a mule down the street, you will find yourself in a position where all you can say is, I am so blessed. And your children will say, my dad, my mom followed the things of God. I didn't understand it all the time. Sometimes we were at church all the time. I heard it said like this one time. It said, I had a real drug problem growing up. Every time the doors were open, my mama drugged me to church. I can relate, y'all. I was going to church nine months before I was born. I remember sleeping under pews. I remember sleeping on pews. I'll tell y'all another story. My dad used to wear this gold nugget ring. Big old sucker like that. And us boys, there were three of us, and we were, we were boys. We weren't kind of boys, you know. And we would be sitting on the pew of the church. And every now and then, Dad would pat us on the head. And if you were just a passerby and you saw him patting us on the head, you would think, oh, that Daddy loves his children, which was true. But what you didn't see is he turned that nugget ring around. <laughs> and usually... It was when one of us boys was pinching the other or or something. And he would just lovingly tap us on the back of the head and remind us who was in charge in that moment. Y'all need to tell him about that when he comes here at second service. That he shouldn't have hit those kids with that nugget ring. I'm still dented up here, y'all. Listen to me. You don't know what God's going to call you to do. What you do know is you need to be obedient. 
Amen? Amen. Think back over your life. How many times have you said, I'll never do that, only to find yourself doing it by the end of the week? How many times have you thought, I don't care how many times they ask me, I'm not going to do that thing, and then you find yourself doing it before the year's over? Get never out of your mind except for this, I'll never disobey God. I'll never go away from the things of God. I'll never stop serving God. I'll never stop pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. I'll never stop living for God with everything that I have. If God tells you to walk on water, get out of the boat. If God tells you to come to the beach, then swim if you got to get there. But get good at obeying God every step of the way. You will never regret obeying God, but without exception, you'll regret when you don't. You'll never regret listening to the voice of God, regardless of how simple it might be. You'll never regret obedience. The key is paying attention to that still small voice. So they bring back the colt to Jesus and they start to lay their cloaks on the colt. And Jesus rode him. And this is how you know Jesus was a cowboy. Because the Bible says that nobody had ever ridden the colt before. So Jesus had to break the thing first in order to ride it to Jerusalem. Come on, y'all, that's a joke, and it's funny. I'd like to say I made it up, but I didn't. I heard that somewhere. But they threw all their coats, their cloaks, on the back of this uh, uh, young donkey, if you will. And Jesus, they put him on there. And you got to see the scene here. He's coming into the center of the whole universe, Jerusalem, which is where everything of every substance is going to take place. It's the, it's the miracle place. It's the place we have to have our eye on. Every day you ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, what happens to Jerusalem happens to the church. So when you see something good happening to Jerusalem, you can expect something good happening to the body of Christ. Jews and those who are of Hebrew descent are our brothers and sisters. They, the Bible said, are the vine and we have been grafted in by Christ Jesus to be in covenant with them. And there will be a day coming when a revival takes place in the Jewish people that the world has never seen before when they recognize that Jesus is Yeshua, the Messiah, who they have been waiting for. So we ought to have our eyes on Jerusalem because God did not pull them out of Egypt, walk them through the Red Sea, save them from every turmoil and trial along the way to forget about them now. He's coming back for His people and you and I are blessed to be a part of it. As we go through the life of living for Jesus, we have to see what happened in his life to know what's happening in ours. He gets to Jerusalem and all of a sudden fanfare takes place and people are taking their jackets and throwing them on the ground and palm branches and waving them saying, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Messiah is here. Hosanna, look at Jesus. Yay, yay, yay. Well, less than one week later, they nailed him to a cross. The people in your life who can hurt you the most are the ones that celebrate you the most. Do you know what Jesus said when he was hanging on the tree? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you took a snapshot of the people of Jerusalem, I hope you think of them on Palm Sunday and not Good Friday. If you have to remember our lineage, our brothers and sisters, then then if you can, remember them worshiping Jesus and not killing him. 
You see, Jesus had to die. It wasn't Pontius Pilate. It wasn't Herod. It wasn't the Roman soldiers. They were just the one with the hammer. Listen, Jesus had to die. He chose to die. Could have called legions of angels to stop him anytime he wanted. No man can take his life, but he laid it down. There's nobody to blame except sin. There's nobody to blame except hurt and anguish and heartache. These are the things that he died for. The fact that he didn't want to be separated from his creation that he loves so much and wants to be in relationship with. But he he comes walking down the road and people are throwing their coats and palm branches and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, the interesting thing is, is he gets into the city and all of a sudden he goes to the temple and he realizes, okay, uh, it's fixing to get dark. And then the next day he's walking with his disciples and he sees a fig tree. And he looks at the fig tree and he walks up to see if there's any fruit on it. Now, the Bible says that there was, it was not the season for figs to have fruit at that time. So he sees the fig tree from afar off and he looks at it and he walks up and sees that there's no fruit on it. And the Bible says that he curses the fig tree and said, nobody's going to eat fruit from this tree. And the next day, the disciples were astonished because the tree that he cursed was dried up from the root. Interestingly enough, the first Adam, Jesus is often called the second Adam because he's the only man without an earthly father ever on earth except for Adam of Adam and Eve in the garden. And the Bible says when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, whenever they moved into wickedness instead of righteousness, when they made the decision to disobey God, in that moment of that time, their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked before the Lord. So they went, the Bible says, and made fig leaves. They they took fig leaves and sowed them together and covered themselves up with it to try to hide the nakedness, to to try to hide the sin from the eyes of God. So Jesus is walking by and here's the fig leaf saying, you better get some leaves because you're going to need it. And Jesus looks at that tree and said, Adam may have needed it, but I don't need your leaves. I'm the one who has walked upright. I'm the one who chose to come in this city. I understand. The Bible said when he was praying in the garden, he said this, Father, let this cup pass from me, meaning I don't want to be whipped. I don't want a crown of thorns put on my head. I don't want nails in my hand. But then he said the most important thing, Nevertheless, thy will be done. Which is to say, if it's the only way, Father, I'm happy. He said, let this cup pass from me, meaning he had a cup that he had to drink. He had to drink the passion that's portrayed pretty well in a movie that Mel Gibson produced. He had to, he had to drink the passion, the pain, the turmoil, the separation from God where God literally forsook his son so that you and I would never be forsaken. You and I each have a cup. I can't drink yours. I'd like to. You can't drink mine even though I know some of you love me and you would, you would take pain away from me just like you would your own family or whatever. But the bottom line is, is you have a cup that you have to drink. Jesus' cup was greater and grander than anyone that has ever known or otherwise has experienced. Yet he did it. Along the way, we have to recognize that the first Adam needed the fig tree. The second Adam needed nothing, wants for nothing, and will never forsake you, nor will he leave you. Get good at drinking your cup. Don't pass it off. You say, my brother-in-law drives me nuts. Pray for him. My mother-in-law drives me insane. Pray for her. The cat drives me crazy. Take it to the pound. (laughs) 
We have seven cats, y'all, if y'all need some kittens. We actually have seven cats, and another cat's fixing to have kittens too. So we don't know how many, but she's about this long and about this wide. So we're anticipating a lot. Drink your cup. Consume what God has called you to do. How many times in your life has it been the ones that love you the most that hurt you the deepest? Drink your cup. How many times in your life have you said, I've already dealt with this before. Why is it coming back? Drink your cup. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Quit worrying about what somebody else is going through and wishing you could have their calling. You cannot, but you can have yours. If you'll possess what God has called you to do, you'll do and complete the task at hand. Amen? Amen. Around verse 2. The Bible says that Jesus told him about a colt that was tied up. Tied up in a place where two ways met. Maybe you say, you know what? I understand the disciples. I'm willing to be obedient. Maybe you say, I can understand a little bit about what Jesus experienced whenever people were coming from every angle to shout his name only to hurt him later. Maybe you can understand those things, but maybe you would... Maybe you would... Recognize a little bit more with the young colt. Maybe you feel tied up. Maybe you feel tied up in a place where there's two ways. Maybe you feel like I'm perfectly willing to do what God has called me to do, but I can't hear Him. All I can hear is every time I try to take a step, this rope keeps stopping me. Every time I try to take a move, this this rope keeps stopping me from taking the step of faith that I think I ought to be taking. I'm pretty sure, but all I see is two directions. I'm not sure which way to go, but I can't go because I'm tied up. Maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I want to live for God. I will live for God. I'm doing everything I can. But right now, I just feel like I need to be loosed. You feel yourself tied up, could go two different ways, and you just want direction. Thank God for the rope. Thank God for the rope. Here's the deal. In the right season and the right time, God is going to loose you to do the greatest thing imaginable. This donkey was just a donkey, but now we still talk about him. Not because he had gray hair, black hair, or yellow hair, but because the King of kings and the Lord of glory rode on his back. You may feel tied up today. You may not know which direction to go, but thank God for the rope. Because in the right season and the right time, you're going to be loose to do that thing that God's called you to do. What's your job? Eat and get ready. Eat and get ready. Eat and get ready. Quit kicking against the pricks and trying to get away from the things of God and recognize that God has not called you to a place to leave you there. His kingdom gets no glory and you not succeeding. His kingdom gets glory because you are His show ponies in the world and when you do well and give Him glory, the whole kingdom is magnified. There's a season when you will bless the rope. There's a season when you'll look back and you'll say, Thank God you didn't let me go because I would have married that woman instead of this lady. Thank God you didn't let me go because I would have left my husband, but now I see that he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Thank God you didn't let me go because I would have stepped out in an area where I would have needed more correction than I need now. I wasn't ready. Ten years ago, if somebody would have said that to me, we would have been fist fighting in the street. But today it just rolls off my back because I'm that much closer to you. Thank God for the rope. 
Thank God for the rope. Thank God that you didn't turn me loose too quickly. Thank God that you didn't set me apart too quickly. The Bible says that there's a season and a time for everything. If you are a strawberry farmer and you grow strawberries, there is a season when strawberries are ripe. But every strawberry is not ripe at the same time. There's a season and there's a time. Even if it feels like you're in the right season, you're sitting there going, I know I'm called to do something. I know I'm called to do it. I know I'm called to be let loose on the world. Is it the right time? Your job, eat and get ready. You don't have time to get ready when you're on the battlefield. You don't have time to sharpen your sword when you're on the the battlefield. You don't have time to prepare when it's time for war. So many times we get to the place and we curse the feeling of being stagnant. You're a child of the King of Kings. There is nothing stagnant about your life. In one instant, in one moment, you can go from a common pack mule to the mount that the King of Glory rode into the center of the universe to announce who He was to the world. Some bridges take time to build. There's things in your life that you'll overlook today that 10 years ago you never would have. You ever heard patience is a virtue? Don't curse the rope, y'all. Don't curse the thing that's protecting you. Don't curse the thing that's protecting you and enabling you to be on time in that divine moment when somebody's going to loose you to do that which God's called you to do. In the kingdom, there is no job description other than follow Him. In the kingdom, there's no job description other than be obedient. In the kingdom, there's nothing that you can say, I'll never do that for God. Exclude sin and all that, of course, y'all. But the reality is, is you may be walking donkeys one day feeding people you don't know bread and fish paying taxes for somebody else Hmm. sailing across the sea in the middle of a storm fishing on the other side when you think you know more than the person telling you where to fish The job description that you have to hold dear to is obedience. When that still, small voice speaks to you, respond. If you're bound by something that's killing you, destroying you, or otherwise, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography, uh, hatred, bitterness, racism, uh, uh, wickedness, evil thoughts... Uh, contempt, uh, 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 
looking at other people's stuff, coveting what they have and, and, and cursing what you have, overlooking your blessings by staring at theirs. If you're bound by any of those things, that's not the rope I'm talking about. The Bible says that he'll break every chain and set captives free. What I'm talking about is you're living for God. You're doing everything you know, but you feel idle. Thank God we don't live by what we feel, but we live by the Word of God and faith therein. Never let the sound of people's praise affect your kingdom mentality. See, people change. They're fickle. But the Bible says that God doesn't even have a shadow of turning in Him. We're looking to hear well done from the king, not just well done from our peers. Sometimes you have to make decisions that people don't understand. So be it. Sometimes you have to make decisions that people don't agree with. So be it. Now listen, I'm not talking about foolishness. Everybody just stay with me. I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm talking about living for God. I'm talking about saying, well, thank you for the invitation. But me and mine don't go to the bar. Thank you for the invitation, but me and mine, whatever, fill in the blank. But when you come to that place in your life where all you care about is hearing well done from him, then the cheers or the jeers or the negative things no longer divert your path, but rather you stay focused on the sound of his voice. The Bible says this. It says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice they won't follow. Stand to your feet if you would, please. I'm done teaching. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.